Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, I mentioned earlier that God is working, and I, I really believe that. God's at work in our church, and, and God's working in just some monumental ways. And I really believe God's working in hearts and lives, drawing people to Himself. And I believe our best days are yet ahead here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Uh, in spite of all that we see going on around us, I believe God has something in store for His church. Uh, and certainly we know that the rapture is in store for God's people, for His church. But until then, uh, we are not called just to keep the fort and do the best we can and hang on till He comes. Uh, we are called to go forward uh, with the Word of God, with the Gospel, with the power of God in our lives. And so certainly that is our calling, and we will seek to continue to do that. But in that process, we understand, and I, and I, I am very keenly aware that there is an enemy. There is an opposition. And my wife mentioned it last week that it seems as though every time that uh, there is plans that are made, that there are revival meetings, um, missions conference couples retreats, uh, uh, anything at all, uh, just even often uh, a, a service, just a Sunday service with nothing uh, extracurricular added to that beyond a Sunday morning service or Sunday evening service. What we find is that the devil's at work and uh, the devil is alive and he is real and and we're here, not, we're here, tonight, here tonight to, 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 uh, to certainly uh, make much of him. I, I often uh, don't even really struggle sometimes with a message like this, but I think it's important that we are aware because we all face the same things, I believe. If we're transparent tonight, I believe all of us could say there has been opposition in our lives. And as we seek to move forward for Christ, we will face that opposition. You understand the devil, he will oppose you in raising your family. He will oppose you to raise the next generation for Christ. Uh, moms and dads, you understand that. And, and it gets hard. And it's never been easy. Uh, understand that the devil doesn't want it to be easy. Uh, if you're going to raise your family for Christ, then the devil's going to do everything he can to discourage you, to distract you, to keep you out of church, to keep you from doing that very thing. If we're going to go on for Christ as a church, if we're going to be a soul-winning church, we're going to have to understand that the devil is going to oppose that. And he has. We've seen that through the years. Uh, if we're going to send missionaries, we're going to have to understand that the devil's going to oppose that. If we are praying that God is going to lead this church to, to, uh, to greater heights, spiritually, uh, numerically, then understand that the devil is going to oppose that. And if you set out in a, with a plan in your life to live godly, simply just to live godly, and I say simply, I don't put that as a, on the, on the bottom rung, uh, I mean that is just a plan to live godly, to live in obedience. Understand the devil's going to attack you, and he's going to come after you, and he's going to uh, try to trip you up. And as a believer in Christ, he can never steal your soul. Praise God for that. We're kept in Christ. He can never take your soul. But what he will choose to do, and what he will in uh, effort to do, is to ruin your testimony. If he can keep you from being a, a witness and a testimony to others, then he's going to do that. If he can keep you from being a witness and a testimony in your neighborhood, he'll do that. If he can keep you from being a witness at work, 
he'll do that. And so he's at work, and I'm sure that we can all say we have felt like there has been opposition. And I personally will say this evening that it seems in my life that I face that opposition. And therefore, we must pray one for another. We must lift one another up in prayer uh, with steadfastness. And we'll talk a little bit about that this evening. Turn with your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, 8, and 9. And I think, think verse number 7 is a wonderful verse uh, that brings us into verse number 8 and 9. Casting all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. Wow, what a powerful, wonderful verse. And right on the heels of casting all of our cares upon the Lord, understanding that he does care for us, he brings us this very uh, much warning and, and with sobriety to it. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about sinking, whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And God's people says amen to that. And I just want to think a little bit about our adversary. I don't know that we fully understand, and I'm sure that I do not, we may not, will not fully understand uh, the, the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in on this side of eternity. The wickedness and the power of our adversary, we see his hand literally at work in our nation and in our world. The God of this world, uh, he is in control of this world. Uh, We'll see in just a few moments how he offered this world, the kingdoms of this world to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if he would simply fall down and worship him. He's in control. And what we see happening in our world today is a world that's intoxicated under the control of Satan. And I don't know that we fully understand our adversary. He is our opponent That's the idea there. He is against us. He's against all that's good. As I mentioned earlier, he's against your family. I've never, I don't think, seen an attack against the the fundamental Bible concept, the Bible truth. I shouldn't say it's a concept. It's a truth. It's a foundational truth of what the family is. It's one man and one wife. And the devil has done everything to erase all of those things. And now bring a up a multiple number of generations that really doesn't understand it at all and think that you can have a family outside of God's boundaries. But the devil is certainly at work. He's against you. He's against your family. He's against you raising your children to love the Lord. He is the arch enemy of God. Um, He hates God. We mentioned that this morning. But he cannot touch God. He's not more powerful than God. But what he will do is come after God's people. He'll come after God's work. And he'll seek to distract and destroy. Uh, We are living in a day like never before, I believe, of spiritual warfare. 
Peter is writing this text, and certainly Peter is one that knew full well what spiritual warfare was all about. Listen to Luke chapter number 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said to them, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. The Lord said to Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, Peter. He's desired to sift you. Think about that word desired. Satan has a desire to sift. That's his plan. That's his purpose in your life. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And one of the greatest victories that we can have and, and the greatest tool that we can use against the wiles of the devil is our faith. And he said, I pray that your faith fail not when thou art converted. In other words, when you turn back, Peter, and we know that, that Peter had a failure and there was a time in his life when, when he denied the Lord. And we see this in the scriptures. But God understood that, that through his faith that this would make him stronger and he says, when you've converted, Peter, when you are converted, when you've turned back, use this experience in your life to strengthen the brethren, to strengthen others. When the devil attacks us, certainly we do not desire those attacks, but it is to increase our faith. And we ought to use our faith to be increased and to be strengthened in the Word of God so that we may be stronger you know, I think many times, I feel in my own life, one of the biggest struggles I have is I keep going back through the same old struggles. And rather than having victory over these matters, but God desires that we have victory. Uh, when the devil uses the same old tactics next time, he, he realizes this is not going to work on this one because they found faith in it. They found Christ. They found victory over this particular issue. The idea of sifting is to agitate, to shake. Uh, the idea of sifting in, in that period of time, it was a process by which they would shake uh, the, the, the wheat and remove the chafe. And then that which was valuable was left. That was the wheat. Satan, his desire is to do just the opposite. His desire is to move anything, remove from your life anything profitable, anything of value, so that all is left is the chaff. All is left is the undesirable. And that's often the way he works in our lives. We see Satan's desire. His desire is to have you, to have you. He is your adversary, your adversary, your spiritual opponent. And we need to realize this evening that we have an enemy. And I think oftentimes, yes, our enemy is the flesh. And the devil is our enemy as well. And he'll use our flesh against us. And we, we allow him to do this very thing. An adversary, an enemy or a foe, uh, he is against us. Listen to what Winston Churchill said when Neville Chamberlain uh, wanted to appease and compromise with Adolf Hitler before the war uh, and he wanted to give him a piece of land, hoping that this would uh, avert war. And, and so he just wanted to appease the Nazi powers. And listen to what Winston Churchill said 
in the House of Commons on October the 5th in 1938 after this took place. He said there can never be friendship between the British democracy and the Nazi power. The power that spurns Christian ethics which cheers its outward course by a barbarous pragmatism which uh, uh, the, it takes the spirit, let me, let me try and read what I've written here, which uh, takes the spirit of aggression and conquest and uses those things to its strength and he perverts the pleasure of persecution and it longs for those things, it uses those things. And he went on to say, with pittiness, brutality, the threat of murderers, murderous force, the power that can never be trusted Friend of the British democracy. Churchill was right. He says they can never be trusted. They're barbarous. They're wicked. They're perverted. He says they cannot be trusted. He was right about Hitler. And listen, Peter and the Lord is right about Satan. He cannot be trusted. But yet oftentimes don't we trust him? Don't we go his route? Don't we go his way? We trust him with the outcome of our situations of life. He cannot be trusted. His desire is to sift you, is to have you. His danger, the Bible tells us here, is as a roaring lion. Uh, he's a foe that's greater than we are. We're not able to overcome him, overcome him in the flesh. We go to Jude verse number 9. And we see that Michael, an archangel, was contending with the devil. He's disputed about the body of Moses. We really know nothing about all this that took place. But evidently, uh, there was a, uh, something going on after Moses had passed. And, and certainly, uh, it's like of much of the, the, the relics of yesteryear. People tend to want to uh, worship those things and make idol worship out of them. And so, there was a dispute about the body of Moses. Who would receive the body? Where would the body be? And it says, Michael the archangel disputed with the devil about this. And does not bring a railing accusation. But this is what he said to the devil. The Lord rebuke thee. The idea here is that the, the devil is stronger. And the Lord, he left it up to the Lord to overcome the wicked one in his life. We are no match for the devil. We think about his desire to have us, the danger as a roaring lion. We think about who he is. Listen to some of the names with regards to the devil. The word devil, he's, he's, he's a liar. He's a slanderer. He's a false accuser. Uh, the word devil there literally means those things. In Revelation chapter 12, And I heard a great voice in the heavens saying, Now is come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren has been cast out. Who accused them before God day and night. Day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the devil. He's called the Satan. Satan himself. The one who opposes us. Opposes us. Satan stood against God. Satan still stands against God. In Zechariah 3 and 1, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of Jehovah, and Satan standing on his right hand. Notice this, to resist him. To resist him. Satan will resist you. He is your opposition in spiritual matters, in spiritual warfare. 
And I again say that it seems as though the devil's at work, but the devil's at work because God's at work. And if he can destroy the work of God, he'll certainly seek to do that, even in your life. And often if felt the resistance of Satan against me and against you and against the church as we've talked together about certain things. First Thessalonians 2 and 18, wherefore we have desired to come to you, even I, Paul, both once and twice, and Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. He's called the serpent. The serpent meaning, and the idea here is of cunning wisdom. Second Corinthians Chapter 11, verse number 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted to the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan will use all kinds of things to distract and discourage. Uh, he's smart. He understands how, wor- how things work. He understands this world. And he's really never changed his tactics at all. The way he began in the Garden of Eden is the way that he still operates now. He will seek to come against us with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the way he came in the Garden is the same way he comes today. And it's the same way he came against Christ. We'll look at that in just a moment. He's called the dragon. The dragon. In Revelation chapter uh, 7 and verse number Uh, Chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Look at it with me, please. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And there was war in heaven, verse 7 of Revelation 12. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And understand the dragons and his angels did not prevail. And the dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of God, of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God again day and night. We noted that verse just a few moments ago. He's the dragon, the accuser. He's called Lucifer, uh, the bearer of light. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Mentioned this morning, God doesn't, uh, Satan doesn't mind you being religious. And he'll use religion to blind you. He He doesn't mind you being moral in your life and the way you live. He'll use those things to blind you. And Satan has a determination. The Bible says back in 1 Peter, he walketh about. There's a determination in his life. Listen, Satan never gives up against the child of God here on earth. Until Satan is cast out, he never gives up. He keeps on coming back. When Jesus was tempted, the Bible tells us that after the temptation, that the angels came and ministered to our Lord. But it says that Satan left him for a season. Understand, Satan tempted our Christ. And he'll tempt us, and he he doesn't give up. He continually accuses, and we read the verse, both day and night. Uh, Satan never gave up on our Lord. Satan never gave up uh, on Job. 
uh, again, verse Job chapter 2 and verse number 1, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Satan never gave up on Peter. Simon, Satan, the, the, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. He never gave up on Paul. We read the verse, Satan had hindered us, and Satan will never give up on you in this life. But we are not to be ignorant of the devices of the devil. We are to overcome. Because greater is he that's within us than he that is within the world. And we can live the victorious Christian life. 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, he is that roaring lion. He devours us. Satan has a a desire to devour us. Devour us. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. How does he devour us? Well, we look at how he tempted our Lord. He tempted him through the provision. Uh, Matthew chapter number 4. We see the temptation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Satan, uh, the Lord was driven into the wilderness. And there Satan tempted him 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that he first tempted him with provision. The provision. He says in verses 3 and 4 of Matthew chapter number 4. He says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And he answered, It is, not, it is written, uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He first tempted him with provision. You know, Satan will tempt us as well. God won't take care of you. We mentioned that this morning. God won't take care of you. God's left you. God doesn't care about your needs. He tempted him with provision. He tempted him with the protection that God provided for him. Verses 5 through 7. And the devil taking him up into a holy city. And set him upon a pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if thou be the son of God. Notice, if thou be the son of God. Cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone, and Jesus said to him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He tempted him with provision. He tempted him with protection. Tempting God, um, if thou be the Son of God. Listen, you're in control of your own destiny, is literally what he's saying to him. You're in control of your own destiny. You don't have to listen to what God says. Go on and strike out on your own. Do your own thing. He tempted him with pride and with promotion in verses 8 through 10. And again, the devil take him into a high and exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, get thee hence Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God in him only shalt thou worship. Uh, he shalt thou serve rather He's tempted him with pride. And Satan will use these things. He'll tempt us with the provision, with protection. God won't take care of you. Or trust out and step out on your own and see what God does. Step out outside of the will of God. He'll tempt you with pride. Pride's a terrible thing. We saw how Peter, after being told of the Lord that he would be sifted and he had been prayed for. What did Peter say? Lord, I'll, I'll die with you. 
I'll die with you. I'll fight for you. I'll die with you. It'll not be me, Lord. And we find it very quickly that, yes, it was Peter. And certainly he did fall prey to the temptation of Satan. How does Satan tempt us? Well, with these things, with provision, with protection, with pride, promotion. Uh, he'll also tempt us with through unforgiveness. You know, one of the greatest, I think, tools that Satan uses in our lives is this matter of unforgiveness. Satan gets a foothold and it becomes a stronghold. Listen to Ephesians 4, verse number 3. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Ephesians 4, 31. With all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This matter of temptation comes through bitterness. Bitterness is the poison to the soul. God will tempt us with bitterness. We have a root of bitterness that seems to take hold. God will use that. Or excuse me. Satan will use that against us. And Satan will tempt us with that. Forgive me. In a moment ago I said God would do that. And we certainly know that's not true. Satan will use that bitterness to, uh, to poison us. And, and he keeps pouring salt in that bitterness. In that wound. He says, he goes on to talk about wrath and anger, uncontrolled tempers. Satan will use these things to tempt us, tempt us, uncontrolled tempers, uncontrolled emotions, clamor and evil speaking. These are contentions, words filled with anger for the purpose of hurting others. Satan will use these things and they get into our lives and he'll, he'll use them to destroy our lives. He talks about malice. Again, a desire, a desire to hurt others. And Satan will use these things against us. This matter of unforgiveness, I think, is one of the, the greatest tools that Satan will use to destroy our lives. But I want us to come back and understand that, that Satan is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe and we do not have to fall prey to his devices. We don't have to fall prey to the things that he brings into our lives. First Peter chapter nine, uh, chapter 5 again verse number 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. That are in the world. But the God of all grace. Who hath called us into his eternal glory. By Christ Jesus. After ye have suffered a while. Understand that God does not totally keep us. Certainly God protects us, but he did not keep Peter from that sifting. But he allowed those things to take place so that his faith might be strengthened. So that his faith might be more steadfast in the Lord. He says, after you have suffered a little while. We oftentimes think that as Christians, we should not suffer. Don't we think that? It's wrong if I suffer. But God has called us to live a life as Christ lived. And did, our, did not our Lord suffer greatly? Did he not go beyond anything of our comprehension? And we think maybe I should not suffer. I should not go through hard times. I should not go through difficulties. Understand, if we're going to live for Christ, there will be times of suffering that will come. Just a matter of a fact that we are of flesh and bones. And death has entered into the world. Means that 
we're apt to suffer. None of us want that suffering, but it tends to come. We look around our church and we see suffering. We know of suffering. We hear of suffering. We have family members who are suffering. He says, but after you have suffered a while, this grace of God make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. Satan is a defeated foe. And he says to us out of verse number 9, resist. How are we to resist? Resist in faith. Resist in faith. Um, this is simply, this matter of faith is literally being obedient to God. How do we resist? We resist and we are steadfast in obedience. This is how we overcome Satan. This is the victory that's within us. It's not Christ. Uh, we just lie back and do nothing. He tells us here to resist. Resist. How do we resist? But we resist in faith. Resist by the grace of God. When we resist in faith, in obedience to the word of God, the grace of God comes into action and comes into play in our lives. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And certainly we have a foe that's overwhelming in the flesh. But the grace of God is greater than all of these things. And we resist in faith, in simple obedience, waiting and trusting and believing in God. Then the grace of God comes into our life. And we resist by faith. We resist with God's grace. We resist the temptations and the wiles of the devil by God's promise. By God's promise. We read it out of verse number 10. It will make you perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. That comes after the resisting in faith, trusting and believing God. Understand that Satan is a defeated foe. And we know this to be true, but I'm not sure we have a mental thought to this, but we don't often live as though this is the case. Because I feel as though we fall prey too quickly and too easily. Understand Satan is a defeated foe. He was defeated at Calvary. When Jesus died upon the cross, when he said, it is finished, he paid the sin debt. And he went to that grave and he came up out of the grave. He defeated death and hell. He's a defeated foe. And I'm so thankful for that. But he's also, not only is he defeated at the cross, but we see his final defeat. We see this in the book of Revelation. Go with me to Revelation chapter number 20, please. Revelation chapter number 20. I like to read these verses because I like to remind the devil of his demise. I like to, I like to read the Bible and remind him of where his end comes. And it's good for him to know this and it's good for us to know this. Revelation chapter number 20 verses 1 through 3 and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. This is the end of the tribulational period. He says, I saw uh, this angel, and he had the key, the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon. In case you're not sure who that is, he, he just goes on to show us. That old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And bound him a thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up. <laughs> what a great thing. He shut him up 
and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. This here, this particular passage deals with the end of the tribulational period. Satan is bound with a chain. That's a heavenly chain. That's some chain. He binds Satan. He casts him into this bottomless pit and he shuts him up. Satan is shut up for this thousand years, the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. And then Satan is loosed for a little season. Look at verse number 7. And when the thousand years was expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Satan raises his fist one more time against God, and he deceives the nations, and he brings the nations to do battle against God. Verse number 9, And they went out upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. What a great thought this is. What a great truth this is. This is victory in Jesus Christ. Victory in Christ. So we can have that victory as well. Be steadfast. In other words, be steadfast in faith, in faithfulness. Be faithful. Be steadfast in obedience. Jesus was right. We have an enemy. Peter was right. We have an enemy. Churchill was right. There's an enemy. But you know, we got a God in heaven that's greater than all. And this same God is the same God that resides in your heart. The same God that raised up Jesus out of that grave is the same God that lives in your heart. It's the same God that guides your steps. It's the same God that provides for you every day, that keeps the heart beating, that keeps food on the table, shoes on our feet, and clothes upon our back. It's the same God that loves us with an everlasting love, so much so that it will never, ever let us go. It's this God that we serve, and he's the conqueror God, and he's mine, and I'm his. Praise God for that. Listen, we're going to face some battles. You're going to face some battles, but be faithful. Be faithful. Be obedient. Let's be this together. Let's band together as a body of believers to encourage one another this way. To hold one another up in this way in prayer. We see a a brother that's struggling in the faith. Understand there's a battle going on. There's spiritual warfare going on. Let's lift them up and be a blessing and encourage them. And that's why I want to encourage you to be in church every time you possibly can. We can't afford to not be. Even the the more so as we see the day approaching. In the battle. Remember, we're more than conquerors. In the battle, we have Christ before us, behind us. In the battle, we can live for the Lord. Let's do it together. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.